All right, welcome to Scissors and Scrubs yet again. I'm Nicole. I'm Laura. And again, we are together mm-hmm. in the pod loft, and I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't even say it. Um, so I don't know why this made me think of this, but somebody sent me a TikTok today. I'm I'm not on TikTok, but uh. she was watching it, and it's two Boston girls. Oh, and they're in the car talking, and she's like, "Oh my god, kid! I was at the grocery store today, kid." And she's like, "You know what's with the um." When people are talking, uh, you know, you're FaceTiming yeah. in, in the store. She's like, nobody Every- gives a shit about your shepherd's pie. <laughs> she was going, I was dying laughing because I was like, that is my biggest gripe when people sit in the lounge. I hate that. And they're all talking to their families on Facebook. Like, what did you do before FaceTime? I You talked on the phone. Right. So not everybody in the fucking world heard your conversation. Well, go into the lo- like, go into the locker course, room yeah. where it's just you. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear a kid. No. I don't want to hear my own kids. No. I certainly don't want to hear your no. three-year-old mama. Like... No. I'm a terrible person. I know. All right. So anyway, we are covering this week, mm-hmm. the we're covering AIDS and the AIDS scare of the 80s. Mm-hmm. So we chose this topic because it's kind of touches home for me. Um, I have an older brother who was diagnosed with HIV in 92, mm-hmm. and he's coming down with complications from it now, years later. And um, I love him to death. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to talk to him all the time, but um, he was great. He was very good to me when I was growing up. So this episode is dedicated to him. Mm -hmm. So we're going to cover exactly what HIV and AIDS is. Yep. And then I'm going to cover the timeline of like the first time, because I remember this vividly. I remember watching the news as a kid. Yeah. AIDS blasted on the TV and people freaking out Mm -hmm. and like, oh my God, they're doing this. and. People, it was a hysteria, like almost like today, it was a hysteria. So I vividly remember this and it was something that when I started thinking of this podcast, I wanted to cover. Yeah. So, Sparkles, Mm -hmm. you're going to start with the technical aspect of what exactly HIV and AIDS is. Yes. And how you catch it and how they treat it. And I think people today are a little complacent with it because it seems more chronic than deadly. It's it's not a life sentence anymore. Right. Right. Thank God. But. Right. Well, because I mean, when I was a kid, they were dead within a year. Oh, yeah. You know. You were just dying. Yeah. Everybody was dying. They were dying everywhere. Yeah. So I got the information on HIV AIDS from mayoclinic.org, mm-hmm. healthline.gov, cancer.gov, and hiv.gov. Excellent. A lot of .govs. A lot of .govs. Um, human immunodeficiency virus, which is HIV, mm-hmm. attacks the cells that help the body fight infection. It leaves the infected person vulnerable to infections and diseases. So, that's so you don't what, die from it. You right. die it from what you, it brings you. Right. It makes you immunodeficient. Right. Um, so if HIV is left untreated, it will lead to its final stage, which is AIDS, mm-hmm. which is acquired immune, immunodeficiency syndrome. You do not catch AIDS. Right. You you, you have AIDS. HIV and that just that final stage of HIV is AIDS. You don't you can't catch AIDS. Um AIDS occurs when the immune system is severely damaged from HIV. A person is considered to have AIDS when the number of CD4 cells fall below 200. And the normal level in a normal healthy person is between 500 and 1600. Or if they develop one or more opportunistic infections regardless of their CD4 count. So even if you have a higher CD4 count, if you have more of these infections, Mm -hmm. you still have AIDS. Um... There is no cure for HIV. Once you have it, you will have it for life. HIV was first identified in 1981, and it is the cause of one of the deadliest and most persistent epidemics in the history of the world. Yep. So. And I feel like today, kids are just like, oh, yeah, it's nothing. Because it's not, because you treat it and you. Right. As long as you treat it. They're living with it. They're living with it. So it's not a big topic, Mm -hmm. even though you should tell them about it. It's not a big, huge topic like when we were younger right so how do you get hiv you can only get hiv by coming into direct contact with blood semen and pre-seminal fluid rectal fluids vaginal fluids and breast milk from an hiv positive person with a detectable viral load okay you have to have enough of the virus in you that it can be detected to infect somebody okay um that fluid then has to get into the bloodstream of the HIV-negative person through a mucous membrane like the rectum, vagina, mouth, or tip of the penis, 
Open cuts us to, to laugh. I, I just all don't. these entryways. I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, tip of the penis. Open cuts us or a direct injection, like if he was mm-hmm. shooting up with a dirty needle. Um, HIV positive people who take daily ART treatment, and I'll get into that, the treatments, treatment for HIV, and keep an undetectable viral load, have effectively no risk of sexually transmitting HIV to an HIV negative partner. Wow. So even if you have HIV, as long as you are on your treatment and your viral load is undetectable, you pretty much cannot give it. I always thought no matter what you were giving it. No. As long as it's, it's keeping that viral load down. So the most common ways of spreading HIV in the U.S. are vaginal or anal sex with an HIV positive person without using a condom or taking HIV meds. Mm-hmm. And anal sex is riskier than vaginal yes. sex. Um, there's more blood flow. Down. It has to do, yeah, there's more, yeah. There's yeah. more tearing up. Um, sharing a needle with an HIV positive person. It can spread from another popular way is from mother to child during pregnancy, birth, and breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. But with treatment, the risk of this in the U.S. is less than 1%. Wow. Yep. Um, and then getting stuck with an HIV-contaminated needle, um, which is mainly a risk for healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. And this risk is very, very low. Um, HIV can be spread in extremely rare cases, extremely rare cases, by having oral sex. Um, receiving blood products or organs that were HIV positive. And there's like rigorous testing now. Yes. That makes it almost impossible. The likelihood of you getting any kind of blood transfusion or something now from that is Is very low. low. Um, Being bitten by someone with HIV, the few cases of this had severe tissue damage in the presence of blood. There is no risk if the skin is not broken. So these people are like attacked by being bitten. Um, Who's attacking? I don't like, know if that sounds awful. <laughs> um, contact between broken skin, wounds, or mucous membranes, and HIV-infected blood or body fluids. So if you had a big gaping sore and you rubbed up against somebody with and HIV with a big gaping sore. Deep open mouth kissing. Only if both partners have sores and or bleeding gums. I'm going to promise you, I am not kissing anybody with With sores sores on their fucking mouth. Yeah. (laughs) HIV is not spread through saliva. It is not spread through saliva. The only way to get it from kissing is if you are like early in there and there's bleeding sores. Bleeding, nasty, pustule sores coming out of your mouth. Just don't do it. And I don't even know why you're kissing if you do. Um, Eating food that has been pre-chewed by a person with oh. HIV. <laughs> what are we, birds? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> again, that that's can, disgusting. Yeah, again, that can only happen if there's blood in your mouth oh. and it mixes with the food. Why would you... I don't know. The only cases of this have been found in infants. Again, why are you chewing up food for a baby? Like, get a baby food. It's yeah. strained peas. Yeah. Like, why are you chewing I that shit know. up and... Like, we're not with birds. your pustable mouth. Like, yeah. Don't do it. That's just, just do it. I can't even believe Very it. Very rare. That's Very disgusting. Rare. Yeah. <laughs> HIV is not spread by, not spread by, air or water, mosquitoes, ticks or bugs, saliva, tears or sweat that is not mixed with, obviously, if you got hit in the eye and your eye is bleeding and there's tears coming well, if up. if you're a vampire and you're tearing yes, blood, blood, that then would be obviously. different. Yeah. But regular tears, you cannot... Pass on HIV. No more um, it's not caused by shaking hands, hugging. Um, Which I want to add, when this first came out, everybody thought that's how you could get it. Oh, yeah, you couldn't touch anything. There's a reason you're saying all yes. these things. Because at one point, yeah. people honestly believed you could get it all of these ways. Right. It cannot be spread by sharing towels, sharing dishes, silverware, drinking glasses, or closed mouth kissing. It cannot be spread by drinking <laughs> fountains. This chair is making some funny noise. No, sure. I'm not going to lie. It's not me. It's the chair. Uh-huh. Okay. Or sexual activity that does not involve the exchange of body fluids. Can't get it. Is it like the Amish where this, they're just dry as bones when they're having sex? Like, Maybe. Who's not having bodily fluids when you're... Maybe, I think, like, touching... Heavy, heavy petting. Heavy petting. Heavy petting. Okay. Um, so that... You cannot get it that way. Okay. Take it. No heavy petting. No. Um, signs and symptoms of HIV. HIV. Depend on the stages of HIV. Okay. There are three stages of HIV. Stage one is acute HIV infection. This occurs, occurs within two to four weeks after infection. About two-thirds um, 
of people have flu-like symptoms. They include fever, chills, um, night sweats, muscle aches, sore throat fatigue, swollen lymph nodes, mouth ulcers. Like, you mm. feel like you have the flu, you're yeah. really down. You feel sick. Yeah. Um, that can last days to weeks. You might have no symptoms, though, in stage one. You might okay. get infected and never know. All right. Um, stage two is clinical latency. So the virus is still multiplying at this stage, but at very low levels. Um, the stage is called chronic HIV. Without treatment, people can be in this stage for 10 to 15 years, or they can move through it like rapid fire. Wow. So it dep- It just, I don't know if it depends on your immune system, right. but you can either be in it for a very, very long time, or like the people that were getting in the 80s seem to move rapidly, rapidly through, through this. Um, you might have no symptoms during this stage because it's kind of just making its way through your body. Like it's kind of just multiplying itself and multiplying mm-hmm. itself, but not really causing you to be sick. Stage three is AIDS. The symptoms of stage three a lot of times are rapid weight loss, recurring fever, or profuse night sweats, extreme and unexplained tiredness, prolonged swelling of lymph glands in the armpits, groins, or neck, diarrhea that lasts for more than a week, sores of the mouth, anus, or genitals, pneumonia, um, red, brown, or pink blotches under the skin inside the mouth, nose, or eyelids. Oh. Mm. Memory loss, depression, and other neurological mm-hmm. symptoms. Um, so those are the symptoms of the stages. So the only way you know you're going to know if you have HIV is to be tested. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go to your doctor. You can go to a clinic. You can go to a substance abuse program. You can go to a community health you center. You can almost go anywhere. You can go to hospital. Test you. you can do them at home. Mm-hmm. There are at home HIV tests. You get te- if you think for a second you could have been exposed, get tested. Right. Um, there are several types of tests. There's the antigen slash antibody tests, and it's a blood test, so you have to go to the hospital mm-hmm. or a clinic or whatever for this one. Um, and antigens are sub- substances on the HIV virus and are usually detectable in the blood within a few weeks after an exposure. Wow. So pretty you know, quick. it's not going to show you the next day if you go in, right. but give it a few weeks and it will come up, show up. Antibodies are produced by your immune system when it has been exposed to HIV. Um, it can take weeks to a month to detect antibodies. Okay. The antigen antibody tests can take two to six weeks after exposure to become positive. So again, you you know you had unprotected sex the night before. You're not sure about it. If you go in for the next it's day for an HIV, it's not going to show up with this kind of test. Um, then there's just antibody tests. Antibody tests just look for antibodies to HIV in your blood or saliva. Most rapid HIV tests are antibody tests. Mm-hmm. They can take 3 to 12 weeks after exposure to become positive. These are what you would use as an at-home test because you would just spit in it and right. it test your saliva. <laughs> and, um, nucleic acid tests look for the actual virus or your viral load. Mm-hmm. You, you, you heard a lot about that in the 80s. I don't know if anybody remembers. Like It was constantly like viral load. Vi- like right. that in cocktails. Viral load in cocktail. Viral load in cocktails. T-cells. T-cells was another yeah. big one. Um so it looks for your viral load in your blood. So this is also a blood test. These will be the first test to become positive after an exposure. So if you think you were exposed recently, this is what's recommended. Just get the viral right. load test or the nucleic acid test is what it's called. Then there are tests to stage your HIV and determine your course of treatment. There's the CD4 T cell count. So CD4 T cells are the white blood cells that are targeted and destroyed by the HIV. So those are the cells that we're talking about that they destroy to make you immunocompromised. Um, Even if you have no symptoms, your HIV has progressed to AIDS if your count is below 200. So you can have nothing and and they test your count. You have AIDS. It's not good. Um, Viral, then there's a viral load test that's, or it's called HIV RNA. And this measures the amount of virus in your blood. After starting treatment, the goal is to have an undetectable viral load. And with treatment, you can get an An undetectable viral load. Um, Then there's drug-resistant tests. These tests help your doctor determine your specific form of HIV. And um, if that form of HIV has any resistance to meds and then helps formulate your treatment plan. Because they, you know, like any virus, it mutates. Yep. So you and could have you, one That's strain. the problem with AIDS is it keeps, every time they think they have a cure, it mutates. Right. So they like cancer. test your your HIV specifically, see what meds work with that, mm-hmm. and then treat you from there. 
then they may do tests for HIV complications. They might be, do a TB test. Because remember, if you have HIV, you're going to get opportunistic Everything. infections. Yep. So TB tests, HB, um, Hep B or Hep C um, tests, STIs or STD tests, um, liver or kidney damage tests. You, uh, they're going to test you for UTI, cervical or anal cancer, um, cytomegalovirus, which is a herpes virus um, related to like the chicken box mm-hmm. virus. Mm-hmm. Um, and toxoplasmosis, which is a parasite found in cat feces. So That's why pregnant women can't right. change a kidney litter box. So pregnant women are not supposed to do it. And p- people with HIV, if you're handling a pet, like a, a bird, a cat, right. a turtle, you have to be super, super careful. You have to wear gloves. You have to keep everything clean because any of those parasites, you're going to pick up like that. Yep. Um, there is, like I said, there's no cure as of now for HIV AIDS. Your body does not get rid of it. But there are meds that can control HIV and prevent complications from mm-hmm. it. The first treatment used successfully for HIV AIDS was developed by the National Cancer Institute, which I didn't realize. I thought I found that in my research yeah. too, and I was like, huh. Yeah. It makes sense, but yeah, I didn't realize. Because it. it's very similar to cancer where right. it keeps mutating. Um, so Dr. Samuel Dr. Samuel Broder, God help me. Hiroki Mitsia <laughs> and Robert Yarchowin. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Search for compounds that inhibited viral growth and quickly started human trials. They first focused on a viral enzyme called reverse transcriptase that HIV needs to multiply. So Mm -hmm. it needs this reverse transcriptase to multiply itself. AZT was one of the first drugs tested. It was an anti-cancer drug developed by Dr. Jerome Horowitz in 1964. In trials, it showed it improved the immune system, immune function of AIDS patients and improved survival of AIDS patients. In 19... 1980- you remember hearing nothing about AZT. Too. AZT when was... When that came out, it was yeah. huge. Um, in 1987, it was the first drug approved by the FDA to treat HIV AIDS. It eventually showed that um, it dramatically reduced the perinatal transmission of HIV. So if you were pregnant or yeah. giving birth, you it dramatically took those odds down of your baby getting it. Um, AZT wasn't completely effective on its own, though. So then the National Cancer Institute continued to research and test other drugs and came up with a cocktail. Like I said, that's all you heard was cocktail. Yep, AZT cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, if you combined AZT with... Okay, bear with me. <laughs> Didanosine di- or Zalcatibine. Every doctor right now is having a seat. I know. Which are reverse transcriptase inhibitors. And the second and third drugs approved by the FDA for HIV-AIDS treatment, it greatly improved the effectiveness of the antiretroviral therapy. So you took the AZT and you put it with these two drugs that inhibited reverse transcriptase, so it couldn't mutate itself. Um, Unfortunately, patients develop resistance to these drugs, so researchers developed new meds to attack the virus in other ways. Doctors studied the structure of another viral enzyme. It's called HIV protein protease and designed a new class of HIV HIV drugs to attack um, that specific enzyme in the mid-1990s. When protease inhibitors are combined with reverse transcriptase inhibitors, they dramatically suppress the replication of the virus and can often reduce the viral load to undetectable levels. Which is huge. Yes. Huge. This kind of therapy is called ART, or antiretroviral therapy. Or as we say in Boston, ART. ART. I'm trying. Ah. Everyone diagnosed with HIV should be treated with ah, no matter what stage of the infection. So if you are in your, you just got diagnosed or you're in, you have AIDS, you should get, you should be on ah. So no matter when you find out, they should be hitting you with these drugs. So if you're in full-blown AIDS and you take ah, will it? It can reduce the viral. Um, Usually three or more meds from several different drug classes are used. Each class blocks the virus in different ways. So they try to just attack it every single way possible. Mm-hmm. So then um, the the virus doesn't know how to mutate because you're attacking it from every possible right. way it can mutate. Um, each cl- um, Usually two drugs from one class and one from another are combined. Classes of anti-HIV drugs currently used are... Again, God help me with these names. <laughs> NNRTIs, which are non-nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors. Mm-hmm. Um, Will there be a test later? So yeah, I'm going to test you all later. later. Um, 
they they throw off the protein needed by HIV to copy itself. So this they need this. So he it can't copy itself. It helps. It, it yeah. makes it not be able to copy itself. NRTIs, which are nucleotide reverse transcriptase <laughs> inhibitors, are faulty versions of the protein HIV needs to copy itself. So it gives it something that stops it, it from copying itself, and then it gives it something like, oh, I'm going to help you copy, it's, copy it yourself, it but it's not actually going to do that. And then there's PIs, which are protease inhibitors, which inactivate HIV protease so it can't replicate. All of these things just stop it from being able to make more of itself. Mm-hmm. And then there's integrase inhibitors, which disable the protein that HIV uses to insert itself into the CD4 T cells. So it has this protein on it to get it into the white blood cells. And now it can't get into the white blood cells. Um, And then there's entry or fusion inhibitors, which block HIV's entry into CD4 cells as well. Right. Um, For art to be effective... You need to take as directed. You cannot skip doses. You cannot say... Which, when people start feeling great, they, they skip, stop. or they forget, right. I don't or have I don't any symptoms. Anymore. I, have... I can't drink when I'm on it, so right. I'm going to stop it. Don't do it that. It doesn't make me feel great. Right. Don't do that. You have to take it as right. directed every single dose. Um, staying on art with undetectable viral load helps keep your immune system strong, reduces your chances of getting an infection, reduces your chances of developing developing treatment resistant HIV because if you stop messing around with it like an antibiotic your cells are going to figure out a way to get around it to get around it AIDS is a very smart virus yes Um, and it reduces your chance of transmitting it to other people like just stay on right it's not easy it's tough it makes you sick but you gotta do it you gotta do it Um, like I said it's challenging to stay on art Side effects include nausea and vomiting, diarrhea, heart disease, kidney and liver damage. I can't weakened, imagine why I wouldn't want to take it. I know. Weakened bones and bone loss, abnormal cholesterol levels, high blood sugar, cognitive, emotional, and sleep problems. Work with your doctors to help stay on your eye. Like, say, I cannot sleep on this. They can change it up. Right. But you have to stay on what they're giving you until they change it up. Right. Um. They're, the doctor's going to check your viral load in the CD4 T cells to determine how you respond to your treatment. Initially, they're checked at two and four weeks, and then every three to six months. Your, treat, your treatment should reduce your viral load to undetectable. But it is, again, it is never gone. Right. Um, you're always going to be able to spread it unless it's, well, you said If it's undetectable, you shouldn't be, unless right. you're literally injecting with a needle right. that has their blood on it. But um, you still want to be careful. You have to, redu- right. You're, it's even if it's not in your blood at that moment, it's still in other places. It's still in your lymph nodes. It's still in your organs. It can, it's going to come back if you Somewhere. stop yep. taking the yep. treatment to a detectable load. Along with medical treatment, you need to be active in your care. You need to eat healthy. You need to avoid raw, e- raw eggs, meat, and seafood, and unpasteurized food. You can get parasites. You can get any Pepe bacteria. All that, kinds of stuff. Salmonella. Anything like that. Um... Get inactivated vaccines for pneumonia, flu, HPV, and Hep A and B. They don't usually give them activated vaccines because their immune system is so mm-hmm. low. Um, be careful with pets; they can carry parasites. Wash your hands thoroughly after handling pets or their waste. Um, there are some natural supplements that some people use. You should always check with your doctor before you use a natural su- supplement, no matter what you have. Yes, not even HIV related. People always have some check. bizarre reactions yeah. to them, and they react like you could be on a blood pressure med, and someone say, "Oh, you right. should take Saint John, John's Wort to make you feel better." And I don't they could take anything that has the word wort in it. I know you can react. You just always check with your doctor before you take a natural supplement. Anyways, there's acetyl L. Carnitine, which <laughs> helps with nerve pain and neuropathy, because um, they some get HIV, like a neuropathy. Spread yeah, it. Um, so that can help. It's a natural supplement. Um, whey, pre- whey protein may help with weight gain and helps reduce diarrhea in some people. Again, you are having diarrhea from the AIDS. You can have diarrhea from the treatment. Mm-hmm. You're losing weight anyway, insanely, and then so this the whey protein might help you out. Put a few on. Um, probiotics can help with diarrhea, but there's some supplements that can be dangerous and should be avoided with HIV treatment. St. John's wort is one of them. (laughs) Um, it's a common depression remedy. 
it can reduce the effectiveness of several types of anti-HIV drugs by more than half. Ooh, that's huge. That's huge. That's so huge. Do not take St. John's Wort right. if you're on an HIV treatment. Um, garlic supplements, garlic. which the people use it to boost their immune system. It can also interact with some of the anti-HIV drugs and reduce their ability to work. You can eat it in food. You know, yeah. you can have, well, you don't have to like say, me. yeah, you don't have to say like no garlic, but you can't have a ton of it and you can't have supplements. I love me some garlic. And then there's um, red yeast rice extract. It's used to lower cholesterol, but should not be taken if you take a protease inhib- inhibitor. Okay. It will negate that. Um, so just be careful. Always check with your doctor with any supplements. And they, like, most of it is the treatment for yourself is go find a support group. Go talk to people. Yes. Be in a group that they, they've they gone through this. They're going through this. You they need help. They can help you. Yes. You need someone, you need people in your life that it can help you through this. So just find people you can talk to and, and support you. And there's a lot of AIDS There's tons. There. there are tons. So get get help. It's a huge life-changing Event. diagnosis, yep. but it does not have to be. A death sentence. Or you don't have to be ostracized from it. No, no. It's, it's a, it's, it happens. You know, like any other, any other STD. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. So many of the severe symptoms that occur came from opportunistic infections like salmonella, herpes simplex, um, thrush, which is that. Oh, if you don't know. You on, if you're on chemo, if you have antibiotics, you get thrush, which is like that fuzz that grows in your it's mouth. It's like a fungal infection it's of your disgusting. mouth. And it's like a white white patches of fuzz. Yeah. yeah. You know it when you got it's it. It's disgusting. Um bronchi thrush of the mouth, bronchi, trachea, lungs, esophagus, or vagina. Ugh. Yeah. So a nice white coating of all that. Yeah, a nice fuzz in your vagina. Yeah. Who doesn't um, want that? And toxoplasmosis, which can affect the brain. Um cancer is a major quote unquote side effect of HIV since the body's immune system is damaged. There are some cancers people with HIV are more likely to develop, and there are some that are, quote unquote, AIDS um, related, AIDS defining mm-hmm. cancers. Um, these signal the transition from HIV to AIDS if you end up with these cancers. Um, common types of cancer in HIV patients are invasive cervical cancer. HIV positive women are three times more likely to develop cervical cancer than other women. Ooh, that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. Anal cancer is Mm. 19 times more likely to develop in people with HIV. The risk of developing lung cancer is twice as likely in a patient with HIV. And people with HIV are three times more likely to develop liver cancer. Also, people with HIV are at an increased risk to develop penile cancer, mouth cancer, vaginal cancer, head and neck cancer, and throat cancer. So let's just wrap it up. You're going to get cancer higher rate than anybody else. Yes. Um, Basically of anything. This is because people with HIV are very high risk of um, contracting HPV. Yes. Because you're at a risk to develop anything. You're at a risk to develop HPV, which then can lead to any of those cancers that I just mentioned. The two cancers that are AIDS-defining cancers are Kaposi sarcoma and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yes. Um, Kaposi sarcoma is a type of blood vessel cancer. It is linked to a herpes virus that spreads through saliva and sexual contact. It doesn't usually cause cancer in people with healthy immune systems. So if I came into contact you with this, know, you wouldn't I wouldn't get Kaposi sarcoma. I would never even know I had it. Um, there are there aren't always early warning signs. You might though develop dark skin or mouth lesions. Other symptoms include weight loss and fever. It can affect the lymph nodes, digestive tract, and major organs. It can be fatal, but it is curable. Mm-hmm. Um, Antiretroviral therapy has greatly decreased the incidence of Kaposi sarcoma. People with HIV are 500 times more likely to develop Kaposi sarcoma. Yeah. And the antiretroviral therapy has greatly decreased it because you're keeping yourself healthy. Your immune system is stronger. You're not going to, it's not going to turn into a cancer. If you're wondering what Kaposi sarcoma looks like, if you watch Bohemian Rhapsody, Mm -hmm. you will see he has it on his face Mm -hmm. and... There's a scene where he's talking to a guy, and the guy's like, hey, oh, he has it as well. That yes. usually was the first, I think that's the first sign he notices he's got one on his shoulder. Yeah. So if you don't know what it looks like, watch Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. It's like dark it. splotches. Dark block. It's yeah. like dark bots. Bots, not spots. Bots, <laughs> dark bots. And then non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is the second most common cancer associated with stage 3 HIV. Or AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, people with HIV are 12 times more likely to develop non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. 
There are several types of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, it usually starts in the lymphoid tissue and spreads to other organs. Primary um, central nervous system lymphoma, which is the type of non-Hodgkin lymphoma you see a lot in AIDS, um, starts in the spinal cord or brain and makes up 8% of the cases. Epstein-Barr virus oh, causes some types of the NHL. So again, mm-hmm. you're immunocompromised. You get this Epstein-Barr virus. Yep. It leads to you getting non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Epstein-Barr is basically like mono on crack. Yes. Um, signs and symptoms of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma are confusion, fatigue, um, facial paralysis and, paralysis, and seizures. Again, because you're getting it, these AIDS patients are getting it in their central yep. nervous system. Yep. Um, so to help yourself, don't drink a lot. Liver cancer. Do not drink a lot. (laughs) If you have HIV. Um, well, I don't have that. So share needs, don't share needles. Oh, I'm not a drug user. Yeah. Hep B and C can put you at more risk for liver cancer along with, um, drinking too much. Don't smoke. You're at a higher risk for lung cancer, esophageal cancer, throat cancer. Don't. Anal cancer. Right. Um, antiretrovirals help boost your immune system, which help decrease the risks of all these cancers. Stay on your treatment plan. Um, early detection is key. Inform your doctor of any changes in your health health, and keep up with annual exams like pap smears. Mm-hmm. Go, go mm-hmm. for scopes. Go whatever you need to do. Keep doing. Get colonoscopies. Get what you're supposed to get. Just stay up on your health when yes. you have this because you could live a very long life if you do. Right. And treatment for these are the same as pe- people with HIV get the same cancer treatments as mm-hmm. people without HIV. Mm-hmm. So all the same treatments. Surgeries radiation, chemo, it's all the right. same. Um, but those are huge, another side effect of right. HIV. All right, so I'm going through the AIDS panic of mm-hmm. the 80s, which was insane because I vividly remember it as a kid, um, watching the news and seeing AIDS splashed across the headlines and every reporter was yeah. talking about it and the amount of deaths and then... You know, years later, not even years later, a few years later, you'd see the AIDS quilt going around and the gay communities, mm-hmm. you know, rallying. And it was it was just a crazy time. Mm-hmm. So theories have it that AIDS originated in Kinshasa in the Democratic Republic of the Congo around 1920 when it crossed from chimpanzees to humans. Okay. Uh, it's not really heard of till the 80s. Mm-hmm. And theories are that by 1980, it had already been in five countries and there are reports of people like in the 60s that they were chalking these deaths up to something else Mm -hmm. and they think most of the men who were dying in the early 80s had been infected in the early 70s mid to early 70s you know yeah um it's the chair it's not me just saying (laughs) okay so i have i mean i could go back and give you insight all the sources i got a million different articles but i started my article with what i'm going to quote now in 1981 Morbidity and Mortality Weekly put out a report. Mm-hmm. They discovered five cases of pneumocystic carini pneumonia, also known as PCP. Mm-hmm. And because the name's really difficult, we're sticking with PCP, yeah. so I hope you pay attention. So they saw this pneumonia among homosexual men in Los Angeles. And this is the first published report about what is eventually going to become known as AIDS. Mm-hmm. So the Parasitic Disease Division of the CDC's Center for Infectious Disease, they start noticing other cases of this pneumonia. This division is in charge of distributing pentamidine, which is an antimicrobial med that is used for the severely severely immunocompromised patient. Mm -hmm. You could only, at this time, you could only get it through the CDC because it was not FDA approved. So they start seeing an uptake, like many people are starting to request for this, and the requests are coming out of New York and L.A. big Mm -hmm. time. Um, And they're like, oh, this is kind of weird. So they also start seeing an increase in the Carposi sarcoma you were talking about. Okay. And the department of, so Carposi sarcoma is an opportunistic infection because you're only going to get it if you're immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. So, shockingly, the CDC has a department of opportunic, opportunistic di- division of parasitic infections. Oh my God. So they begin surveillance and epidemiology. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I was doing this, I was thinking like, this is very... Um, telling of today with the COVID thing because mm-hmm. people like kind of brush off the CDC, but you don't realize how much surveillance the CDC is doing mm-hmm. to keep the public healthy. Mm-hmm. And this was a big one. They're really the ones that were like, we have a big problem with this disease. Right. So, and they do it because they're surveilling and they're doing an epidemiological, oh my God, don't ask me to say these words. 
The epidemiologists are investigating it, okay? So, in December of 1981, the first case of PCP in an IV drug user is seen. Okay. The surveillance of the CDC shows that 75% of the cases of Carposi sarcoma and PCP are coming out of New York and California, um, and that these cases were all men. Mm-hmm. And within six months, the CDC suggests that the PCP and Car- the case, KS, I can't even say it anymore, Carposi sarcoma, are a consequence of an immunosuppression disease, but mm-hmm. they still don't know what the hell it is. Mm-hmm. By the end of 1981, there are 270 reported cases of a severe immune deficiency among gay men. And it's reported that 121 of them have already died. Wow. Which is almost half. Right. The Carposi and the PCP cases are referred to as the tip of the iceberg of an illness being seen by doctors in New York and California. Mm-hmm. Other illnesses reported are the lymphomas, thrombocytopenic purpura, mm-hmm. lymph- lymphadenopathy. And at the time, most reports of the Carposi also have the symptoms of lymphadenopathy with them. Mm-hmm. 57 cases among gay men are seen and they're unexplained. They don't know why these gay men have this. Mm-hmm. 1982, the CDC starts doing a controlled study. So they have like a controlled study of gay men, either that don't have it or whatever, and then they have these infected men. Mm-hmm. And the, suge- the study suggests that case patients, those with immunocompromised illness, were more sexually active and tended to have other C- um, STDs okay. as well as this mm-hmm. immunocompromised disease. Dr. David Auerbach, among with other members of the local gay community. So the gay community can see this going on. They're approaching these doctors like, you got to help us. This is what we're seeing. What mm-hmm. are you seeing? They're, co- they're collaborating. Mm-hmm. And they're able to link the illness with sexual contact. They're, just, they're like, you know, they, they're known. You know, Joe has it. He was known to have sex with a man who has it. Mm-hmm. So um, they're able to link patients having had sex with known infected people. Mm-hmm. And still, some scientists in the public don't want to believe that this is the connection is between sex. So the summer of 1982, you see an elderly man with some severe hemophilia. He dies from this opportunistic pneumonia. Okay. Two more cases of hemophilics dying from this PCP quickly follow. These pet patients had no history of homosexual behavior and no needle sharing. Mm-hmm. They determine he- hemophiliacs receive reconstituted clotting factors from human plasma. Mm-hmm. Plasma comes from a pool of over a thousand donors, mm-hmm. which at that time, which, you know, if you're in the medical field now and you're younger, you don't understand this. Mm-hmm. But at that time, they didn't think blood was dirty. But you, you didn't know, screen. They didn't screen blood. Yeah. And if you talk to the nurses at that time that worked in the OR, mm-hmm. they would count those bloody, disgusting sponges with no gloves. Right. They didn't think blood was dirty. Right. Like it came it from is, inside you. Yeah. There's nothing so then they would hang it on these yeah. racks and the blood would be dripping down. The thought of touching a bloody sponge I now, know. I want to throw up. Like, <laughs> ugh. But they would touch. The, they, they didn't think anything of it. They yeah. were reusing suction. Right. It was disgusting, right. the practices they were doing. Excuse me. So they... Um, the plasma comes from a pool of a thousand more donors, mm-hmm. and they're realizing that also hepatitis is transmitted this way. So they're starting again to make a, con- a connection. Mm-hmm. So uh, over the next few months, Im- this immunodisease is seen in mother to child with women who have male partners who they know are at high risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, mothers or infants who receive blood transfusions are also getting affected. So now they also know it's blood and sex together. Right. Uh, so... During the early 1980, 1981, it's labeled as the gay plague. And it was officially given the name of the gay-related immune deficiency, which is... Oh, my God. Yes. It's unbelievable that this is how it was labeled. So by September of 1982, it becomes known as AIDS. And now the panic is really spreading Mm -hmm. because they still don't know the exact transmission so people are thinking they're getting it through handshaking Mm -hmm. hugging so these patients would come into a hospital and like a covid patient today Mm -hmm. they the the nurses and staff are looking completely covered head to toe they won't touch them they're not getting any human contact Mm -hmm. a stick it was crazy some places healthcare workers are refusing to even care for these aids patients some doctors refused because they didn't want to bring it home to their patients i mean to their families Mm -hmm. They were willing to lose their practices. They did not want to deal with these AIDS patients. You have Jerry Falwell, who is a TV evangelist. He declares God sent AIDS as a retribution for the sins of drug use and homosexuality. Jesus Christ. 
during a press conference with Ronald Reagan's press secretary. He says, somebody asked him about AIDS. He's like, well, I don't have it. Do you? Meaning like, I'm not gay, are you? And it was just, it was really insulting. Right. Um, So all people know is that it's viral, Mm -hmm. it's deadly, and it's highly contagious, but they don't know how it's spread. Mm -hmm. And like I said, doctors are refusing to treat patients for fear of bringing it home to the families. So when we do um, certain surgical cases that we're worried about infection, people wear these spacesuits. People were wearing these spacesuits. I mean, if you've listened to S one, you heard me about farting in the spacesuit. Yeah, don't okay. do that. Don't fart in the spacesuit because it's really bad. Mm-hmm. But they were wearing these spacesuits to deal with the AIDS patients. And if you see, they literally look like an astronaut. It's ridiculous. Right. But they were dealing with that. So um, gay bathhouses, gay clubs, they're all shut down because mm-hmm. they're all they're associating this with gay law enforcement. This is the first you're seeing. Like you hear PP all over the news. Yeah. This is where it came from. Mm-hmm. So this is where you're seeing police are issued gloves. They're issued masks for protection. Mm-hmm. There were cases of people spitting at police because I have AIDS and they'd spit at them yeah. so they wouldn't get arrested. I'm going to jab you with a dirty needle. Mm-hmm. Like it was on both sides mm-hmm. going crazy. Um, this is the first you're going to see of needle exchange programs yes. because people are afraid of the dirty needles. This is where the concept of safe sex appears. Mm-hmm. Before this, you didn't talk about condoms. No. Unheard of. Yeah. Now condoms are like mainstream mainstream topic conversation um the fda questions whether national blood bank is safe so you had tainted blood right people anybody could donate Mm -hmm. um so a young hemophiliac student makes national headlines when his school expels him for having aids and if you heard about this in the day it was ryan white um he made headlines with this Gay men are ostracized and discriminated against. Nobody wants to touch them or even talk to them. Mm -hmm. March of 1983, the FDA, the National Institute of Health, and the CDC published the first sets of recommendation for preventions and precautions for healthcare workers. Again, this is where your PPE is coming out. Now, I started working in the medical field in 1994, mm-hmm. and AIDS was still very scary then. Mm-hmm. So if you had an AIDS patient, they had a pan, you put the shots in the pan. And an, like, I know HIPAA wasn't really a big thing in 94, so they were like, this patient has AIDS, right. patient has AIDS, everybody knows this patient. Like, they were freaking yeah, out. It was an announcement. It was an announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, so these came out before the cause of the syndrome was figured out, and two years before antibody testing. So they were sending out these precautions, but they really still don't know enough about the disease. Right. So 1983 sees AIDS become a global pandemic, and it appears in 15 European countries and seven Latin countries, and there is a huge outbreak in Central Africa. So Africa in itself could be a whole AIDS episode yes. because of their culture and their um, practices. AIDS is still a huge problem mm-hmm. in Africa, but it's too much for me to get into on this episode. Yeah. So November of 1983, the World Health Organization holds its first global meeting on AIDS and begins international surveillance. And by the end of 1983, 3,064 cases of AIDS are prevalent and 1,200 have already died. In 1984, the National Cancer Institute announces that they found the cause of AIDS. So what's interesting is the cancer doctors were really, they say cancer and AIDS is very similar. Yes. And if they could find a cure for one or the other, we'll be cured. Mm-hmm. So the retrovirus, HTLV the third, I like to say the third, Okay, um, they found that was what was causing it. And a blood test was created to screen for it. And they were hoping a vaccine would come within two years. And as we know, decades later, there still is no vaccine right. for AIDS. 1985, the CDC hosts its first international conference of AIDS in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And in 1985, Rock Hudson announces that oh, he has AIDS. He that. shocks the world. Yeah. So he announces this. The beginning of the year, and he's dead by October. Now, for all you millennials and younger who don't know who Rock Hudson is, mm-hmm. he was fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Let's just say like a big, gorgeous, strapping man. He did all these Doris Day movies. Right. He was like a big, I don't know, like just a... He was stunning. A guy's guy. Yes. Like it was... And him coming out, because back in the golden age of movies, you didn't talk about men right. being gangs, so he was married, like... He was flamboyantly gay in Hollywood, but mm-hmm. they didn't want anybody knowing about that. Right, you know, the general public. Right, and he, he was, was this big, strong guy, leading that loved man, women and, leading yeah, man, yeah. the Rockford Files. Like mm-hmm. he did a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and he was gorgeous. And then he comes out and rocks the world mm-hmm. and destroyed everybody's image of a man's man mm-hmm. when he came out as gay. So, um, in 1987, San Francisco General Hospital has the first clinical trial of AZT. 
And San Francisco General Hospital is the first to take a different approach with the AIDS patients. They're not ostracizing them. They're treating them like human beings. Mm -hmm. And they're one of the first hospitals to do this. Now, when I was doing my research, it said 1997, but I'm almost 100% sure that was a typo. Because in 1987, I think they put out, the government put out regulations, travel bans on anybody with HIV who could not come into the United States. That can't be 1997. No, because when I read something on Freddie Mercury, he was diagnosed in 1987. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons he didn't tell anybody is because he wouldn't have been able to go on tour with it. Mm -hmm. Because he wouldn't have been able to travel country to country. So, in 1987, Britain opens its first AIDS ward at London Middlesex Hospital. Princess Diana goes to open the ward, and she refuses to wear gloves, Mm -hmm. and she shakes hands with an infected person to prove that it's not spread through casual contact. Mm -hmm. And there are articles after articles written on this. This was huge in 1980. Mm -hmm. It sounds so stupid now, but this was like somebody walking on the moon. Mm -hmm. She's touching him. She's hugging him. Mm -hmm. She's not treating him like a disease. 19... She was like sitting with the. I remember yes. like the picture. She that grabbed like, him, and the guy with... was like shocked yeah. that she touched, touched him. him. Yeah. In 1989, she held a baby with AIDS in her arms, and she was a patron of the National AIDS Trust and um, identif- uh, devoted much of her time for AIDS awareness. Mm-hmm. In 1989, 145 countries report 142,000 cases of AIDS. The WHO estimated the number was closer to 400,000. Mm-hmm. AIDS in the United States reaches 100,000 cases. 1990, Ryan White, the young kid I just spoke about, Mm -hmm. he dies from AIDS. His funeral is attended by 1,500 people, including Elton John, Mm -hmm. Howie Long from Charlestown, Mm -hmm. and Phil Donahue, which, again, you millennials will have no No idea idea. who Phil Donahue was. He was Oprah. He's fucking huge, dude. He was huge. He was Sally (laughs) Jesse Raphael. He was huge. Michael Jackson and Barbara Bush. Do I remember that. I vividly remember that. It was awful. awful. I remember him getting kicked out. And Ronald Reagan, who years, not that far before, was ignoring this whole thing, Mm -hmm. he wrote a tribute to Ryan that appeared in the Washington Post. Mm -hmm. Only a few years before, he he considered it a gay disease and he was putting his head in the sand about it. Celebrities like Madonna, Elizabeth Taylor, they start holding benefit concerts because their friends are dying. Like Madonna lost a ton of male dancers. Yeah. She's so connected with the AIDS thing, they actually question whether she has it. They think she's doing all these benefits because she actually secretly has it. 1991, Magic Johnson comes out oh. as having AIDS. And he, again, if you don't know who Magic Johnson was, he was like Big Poppy. He was huge in the world of sports. Yeah. And he's heterosexual. He had sex with all these women and blah, blah. And so, again, it rocks the world. Yeah. Here is a very masculine, heterosexual male coming out with HIV. And this big, huge, healthy basketball player. Right. Like, if you saw him, he was he was still playing. He right. was huge. He was right. healthy. He was muscular. Well, was... as soon as he came out, though, they wouldn't let him play because everybody thinks he's going to get infected yep. from a sweat, you yep. know? So, Jeremy Irons, the actor, is the first to wear the red AIDS ribbon. This is where, like, everybody sees the ribbon now. Yeah. It started with AIDS. Mm-hmm. This was the first time you saw the AIDS ribbon worn while he was hosting the Tony Awards in 1991. Uh. The year I graduated high school. I'm just saying. Um, and now we're going to have a moment of silence as we remember one of the legends of music. Everybody take a minute. Mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury. Yes. Who died of AIDS November 24th, 1991 mm-hmm. at the age of 45. This is a very difficult subject for me because at the time <laughs> I was a huge Queen fan. <laughs> Fucking huge Queen fan. <laughs> And I was like, Wayne's World came out, and oh all God, they knew it again. Dude. And I was like, all right, they got to be going on tour soon. They're going on tour. They're going, I can't wait. I'm going to see, mm, eight. I'm going to go see him. It's going to be great. November 23rd, he comes out with He Has AIDS. And I was like, shit. All right, well, they'll get one more concert out. He's dead the next day. Yeah. So, Freddie, I miss you. I love you. <laughs> You'll always be mine. Okay, by 1993, 2.5 million cases of AIDS worldwide and by 1995, AIDS is the leading cause of death for American ages 25 to 44, mm-hmm. male and female. Mm-hmm. The UN estimated in 1996, 3 million new infections were recorded in people under the age of 25. Wow. 1997. So this is where it says, and I'm, I'm going to say this is actually 1987, where the U.S. legislation passed laws that people directly affected with AIDS are prohibited from working in healthcare donating blood and entering the country on a visa or emigrating into the country. Mm -hmm. So I really think that's 1987. Throughout the 90s, the Clinton administration aggressively advocates for HIV and AIDS education and is funneling massive amount of um, resources into research. Mm -hmm. 
since the year 2000, with the heroin addiction on the rise, it brings, uh, which is bring a lot of dirty needles in, we're seeing a rapid rise in HIV. Mm-hmm. By 2008, with advances in treatment in the U.S., domestic HIV rate is considered stable, and it remains so today. Excuse me. By 2017, the CDC estimates the most common category of new transmissions as of 2017 is male-to-male contact. Mm-hmm. Gay or bisexual men make up 55% of the total HIV population in 83% of the new cases. One in six gay men and bisexual men will test positive, they say. Wow. And they estimate this because it's more easily transmitted through anal sex. They estimate that there are more than 600,000 gay and bisexual men currently living with HIV in the United States as of today. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, I mean, my brother is HIV positive and... The, this kid has been through hell and back. I mean, mm-hmm. he's going on, I'm not going to say how long I've been in high school, but he was diagnosed the year after I graduated. Well, you just said when you graduated. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, what is that, 28 years? I don't know, it's a long-ass time. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least three times I can think of, I was like, okay, he's dead this time. Yeah. And he would bounce back. And mm-hmm. I'm like, he's dead this time. And he would bounce back. He's dealt with multiple cancers, mm-hmm. um, severe illnesses. And he's a trooper. He keeps pulling through. Mm-hmm. So he's he's unfortunately sick again. And I mm-hmm. hope he pulls through. Carl, I love you. Mm-hmm. And I hope we get you on the other side of this. Yep. Um, he's lived a good life. He's lived life his way. Mm-hmm. The whole way. Yep. But for everybody out there living with it, you know, keep yourself healthy. Yeah. You know, and for anybody who doesn't have it, protect yourself. Right. It's still something you cannot be complacent about. You still have to watch about it. It still affects your life. It still it, affects the, your whole life, the right. whole rest of your life. And Even though now you're, one second, you might not die of it, it affects your life. Yeah. Literally, the rest of your life. And so. if you get it and you're not paying attention, you slip off. Yeah, you're gonna. It's gonna get you. Yeah. So um, I'm not happy. Joy, <laughs> guess what's coming up after this? The summer series. The world-renowned summer series. <laughs> Stay tuned. We got some great shit planned. Yeah. World-renowned. Okay. Good talking to you. Uh, write us your reviews, yes. not on Facebook, but on wherever you listen to this podcast. Yep, Give a couple I, of reviews. Yep. And we might be doing some Facebook lives yeah. and see if you guys want to interact with us. Come on, I mean, a date, maybe. Who wouldn't want to interact with us? Mm, obviously. <laughs> All right. Bye. Have a good night. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.